0: Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. And Taylor, it is uh, April 4th, and we are like T-minus 11 days to the Orange-White Spring football game. Five spring practices left including the orange white game, which is uh, is counts as one of those 15 spring practices and I think there is a prevailing theme here with this football team uh, You and I come on each week we talk about you know questions, concerns and it you know knock on wood, Texas fans uh, Texas has, Stayed healthy this spring. If they continue to stay healthy, then the prevailing theme is that the starters, if you will, the top line in the depth chart, looks pretty good across the board, offense, yeah. defense. Um, we're 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 talking about depth here, Taylor. We're we're talking about developing depth and having a suitable replacement if one of those starters goes down.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of a different theme, I would say, than previous off-seasons in covering Texas football, at least in recent years. I mean, the there's been at least some glaring questions, right? It seems like even from the starting lineup, I feel like every off-season, but the fact that the questions right now have to do with the depth, to me, shows well, number one, it, it's obviously kind of a call to action for the staff that they've got to really develop that, and those guys need to be ready and bought in and ready to go once their number is called. But it does show that I feel like the program's changing; it's shifting to a different style of program that we're talking about. The you know the positive movement and the off season um, with the starting lineup, and then the questions are behind that. I mean, that's that's a new theme for me, Chip. I feel like, and that might be a positive theme for the future for Texas because i think if as you said if knock on wood if everything kind of falls in line the starting lineup stays healthy i mean this is a this could be a really special team that texas will put on the field in 2023
0: yeah it almost makes you feel a little uneasy to, to yeah. talk about that for a for a program that let's face it um when you combine the record of the last two years it's not it's it's not great and we're sitting here talking about Texas as if it should be contending for a conference championship, but it should be contending it
1: should be.
0: for a conference championship in 2023. I, I mean, I'm to the point of saying if they're not in the Big 12 title game, it will be a disappointment mm-hmm. uh, because of all the good hard work that this coaching staff has put in building this roster uh, inside out on the offensive line, on the defensive line. Um, developing players like Jalen Ford. And I'll start there, Taylor, with um, because we had a chance to talk to Steve Sarkeesian today. And one of the, you know, one of the big questions coming into 2023 is who is going to replace DeMarvian Overshone at weekside linebacker. Mm-hmm. And you've got David Benda, who's a fourth year player. You've got Mo Blackwell who's a third year player has been here now, you know, got here when Steve Sarkeesian got here basically. And, and Steve Sarkeesian said, both of those guys along with Keaton Crawford, another four year player at Texas are playing the best football uh, that these coaches have seen in their three years with, with these players. And, and, this is kind of what they were saying about Jalen Ford at this time last year, Jalen Ford, Jalen Ford, watch out for Jalen Ford. He's coming, he's coming. And Jalen Ford breaks out probably should have been big 12 defensive player of the year. So I'm going to say kudos first. I'm going to give a little bit of faith here, but kudos to this coaching staff for a keeping guys engaged, keeping the depth of the roster engaged. You've brought in Anthony Hill. You've brought in Leonga Lafau, Darian Gallette. Samaje Burrell is going to get here in the summer. But David Benda and Mo Blackwell at that weak side linebacker position, Keaton Crawford at free safety. These guys are hungry. They're pushing. They've been in the program. They were recruited by other staffs. And and yet they're totally plugged in and in, engaged and seeing this as their time, perhaps because of the success, or in part because of the success of a guy like Jalen Ford. I mean, Jalen Ford's probably doing okay in the NIL business.
1: <laughs> now and now he is. Yeah. Now he is. <laughs> now he is.
0: And and David Bend is a guy who who has a COVID year. If he has a Let's go hypothetical here. If he has a really solid 2023 season, let's say he wins the weak side linebacker job and plays at a high level, kind of like Jalen Ford, he could come back for a COVID season uh, if he chooses. So it it seems like David Bend has been here forever, but yeah, it does. (laughs) But he's, you know, he's running with the ones and, and Mo Blackwell's rotating with him. Uh, with the ones at that weak side linebacker position, and and so, you know, those are three guys who, you know, and let's be honest, Keaton Crawford is is getting a lot of run right now in spring football because Jalen Catalan, the Arkansas uh, transfer safety, is is still rehabbing from his shoulder surgery. So, Keaton Crawford's making the most of this opportunity. Uh, they know, uh, and Steve Sarkeesian mentioned that he blocked a field goal in Saturday's uh, scrimmage last weekend. So uh, we know Keaton Crawford's a big contributor on special teams. He's hungry for more. We'll see. We'll see if uh, if he's able to at least work into a rotation there at safety.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was a guy that Steve Sarkeesian has mentioned a few times now, not just um, on Tuesday, but he mentioned it last week too about – Keaton Crawford's development. Now with Keaton Crawford, Crawford, you have to remember, he used to be a corner. He moved to safety. I believe it was last off season. Last spring was when he made the move over to safety to add some depth there. So he was kind of working his way at a new position. And it probably was good for him to have a guy like Anthony Cook ahead of him a little bit so he could kind of learn from him. A guy who also was a former corner, you know, then moved to nickel before he moved to safety. And so, um, you know, it seems like Steve Sarkeesian is not the type of coach that's going to talk openly about these type of players. If they're not really showing out, he would probably avoid talking about a specific guy if they weren't really uh, stepping up and making plays like Keaton Crawford seems to be in practice. And so that that's huge because Anthony Cook, say what you will about Anthony Cook. You know, I mean, he was a guy that played a lot of football for Texas and it's really difficult to replace experience it's 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 not as difficult i think to replace talent because texas they recruit at such a high level they get some very very high talented high ceiling type of players but experience is not something you can teach it's obviously it's learned and so i feel like this is a good sign that keaton crawford or anybody at that safety playing alongside jaron thompson is being mentioned by steve sarkeesian because replacing that type of experience that veteran playmaking type of experience that Anthony Cook had that Texas lost when he left last season is kind of left a little bit of a gaping hole, but now is Keaton Crawford's time. And you're right. You you bring up a good point with Jalen Catalan still on the mend from um, that shoulder injury that he suffered at Arkansas. I mean, this is a prime opportunity for him and it sounds like he's taking advantage of it, which is huge. And that's really big for the secondary.
0: Well, and I'll give you an example of what you just said about Steve Sarkeesian not just blowing smoke up a player's, skirt um (laughs) for the sake of you know chatter Mm -hmm. uh, he was asked about uh michael taff and jet bush and if if they're you know making any kind of noise um and he said not yet and just left it at that so um you know it's interesting because uh, Steve Sarkeesian, for the most part, has been pretty transparent. I mean, when he said last year that players were emerging, like Jalen Ford, um, Ryan Watts, he was he was telling you the truth. And and so, you know, he's a guy who has said he likes where the offensive line is, he likes where the defensive line is, he likes the depth on both of those uh, groups. Uh, but I I do think, you know, we've written about these scrimmages so far in the spring and, and a pretty steady pattern has been, uh, well, the first team offense looks really good because the offensive line is really good and there's a drop off with the yeah. second team offensive line. Well, there's a drop off with the second team offensive line in part uh, because Connor Robertson, the second team center, is still not back yet from his wrist surgery rehab and so you're you're working with a third team center uh in sawyer gorham welch and and that's a that's a significant position when you're talking about going up against guys like you know vernon broughton and sadir mitchell and you know um these veteran defensive linemen alfred collins who have been in the program now. And they're also, I mean, put Alfred Collins in that same category with David Benda and and Keaton Crawford and uh, Mo Blackwell as a guy whose who's light is coming on in his fourth year at Texas after uh, Moro, Ojimo and Keandre Coburn have moved on. So, um, you know, you look at this thing and and look, there's going to be, the portal's going to open up again here after spring football, and Steve Sarkeesian said today there could be movement coming and going, yeah, going and coming. He said, you know, I'll sit down with all the guys after spring and talk to them about where they are, what they need to work on, and and if they don't like what they're hearing, they may decide, you know, what I'm I'm headed elsewhere. I mean, again, Steve Sarkeesian has done a really nice job with his culture of hanging on to the talent and continuing to develop develop that talent because the championship programs are able to keep guys and convince them a guy like Larry Turner Gooden at safety. Hey, your time's coming. Right. Jaron Thompson's going to move on. Keaton Crawford's going to move on. Uh, Jalen Catalan's going to move on. Your time's coming. Just keep, keep bringing it. And, and so, um, it's it's going to be fascinating to see when Steve Sarkeesian says the portal season, you know there could be movement going and coming. Uh, what that's going to look like because up to this point he's done a really good job of of hanging on to the players he he's wanted to hang on to and developing those guys.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it's he, they, Texas has lost a lot of players to the transfer portal, but I would say you and I have talked about this. It seems like probably only one. Was one that they wanted to hold on to, and that was Hudson Card. And so, um, but they understood why he obviously would go um, and transfer. However, yeah, like, I mean, the guys that they've lost have been guys that I think when Steve Sarkeesian has sat down with them after whether it's spring, you know, or after the season, have kind of told them where they stand and what they see with them. And that's why a lot of them have moved on. So it's going to be interesting. That to me, Chip, kind of makes me think there may be some of those guys in his mind that he's going to have kind of those hard come to Jesus talks with, um, that may lead to them leaving after spring. And that's, I kind of reading tea leaves. I take it that way a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that could be the case. And, and so we'll, we'll keep you posted over at yeah. horns, 24, Uh, you know, you'll always get the, the scoop uh, before anyone else at Horns247.com. So make sure you're all uh, subscribed up and make sure you get an annual subscription because that way you get access, VIP access to all the team sites on the preeminent 24-7 sports network, um, the best college team network in the business. Um, Taylor, everybody wants to know what's going on at quarterback. And I think the good news is that you just continue to hear good things about Quinn Ewers. Yeah, He's lost the weight. He's cut his hair. He's getting more comfortable in the offense. He's making good decisions. He's got a really nice receiving core to throw to. Uh, Texas put out a little social media post uh, Monday night with some some highlights from the scrimmage on Saturday, and there was Quinn Ewers throwing a, a nice pass to Jonte Cook, um, Malik Murphy had a pass, uh, over the middle, a nice pass over the middle. Uh, and you know how these are Taylor, these highlights They nothing is, everything's intentional, right? Like they're yeah. not going to put guys in the, in the highlight reel who, who don't deserve it, who've been sloughing and, and just happen to have a good play. And so the fact that they threw showed. You know, Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy completing passes, and they showed poor Arch Manning getting sacked, having <laughs> a pass, having a pass broken up by Vernon Broughton. Um, you know, Arch is, is the freshman learning and, and having to play with the second and third team offensive line and and second and third team offense. But that's that's how you get better. I mean, you got to make quick decisions under pressure, and and so. You know, from the quarterback standpoint, it's very much Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, Arch Manning. And yeah, probably should expect it to, to be that going into the fall.
1: Yeah, I had a source who was out at the scrimmage on Saturday. And one of the first things they told me was, yeah, it's pretty obvious that Arch Manning is the third string quarterback. Like there was no this uh, source said, you know, like was curious where the the quarterback battle was. And when he said that, I was like, yeah, I know. Um, It's almost like I've been telling you this for a while now, (laughs) you know, but it's like the headlines. Everyone's talking about Arch Manning and a quarterback battle in Austin. It's like there's no quarterback battle, maybe for second string or second team uh, quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, from everything that I heard, Arch Manning had a pretty mistake-free scrimmage. Um, Malik Murphy, like, made some really big wow plays. Uh, One source I talked to said that there was a play – where he completed the ball over the middle of the field and hit the receiver right in stride. It was just a beautiful play. That was kind of one of those like like awe moments, I would say. But he was playing with the second-team offensive line in front of him. Um, another source said there's a substantial drop-off when you see the first team and the second team. So Malik Murphy was sacked a couple of times in the scrimmage too. But overall, you want to hear positive, develop- I would say, developments Mainly from Quinn and Malik right now. I think if you're a Texas fan, I know there are people that want to hear about Arch Manning, and I get it. It's a, you know, a very unique recruit. Texas has had two of those now at quarterback with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning now. But um, the reality is, you want to see the the development from both Quinn and Malik Murphy, and hope that Arch Manning is kind of taking notes and learning on the side and watching them prepare, watching them in their progression their read progression how they you know prepare like a pro prepare like the starters to then when his time does come he's ready to go and so Malik Murphy any development I think that you hear from about Malik Murphy um taking strides is is really huge because you know that you're you need two quarterbacks in college football you just do you you will probably more times and not rely on the backup at some point in the season and you want that backup to be you know, serviceable and not just a massive drop-off between one and two. And it sounds like Malik is at least making those strides, which is a really huge development considering he has not really had the opportunity to be a full practice participant, you know, until after spring break.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there's the, the quarterback situation, the running back situation is (laughs) we've talked about it. It's, it's not ideal in that Jonathan Brooks is, is still, uh, working his way back from the hernia surgery. So it's been a great opportunity for Jaden Blue, um, for Cedric Baxter Jr., and for Savion Red. And uh, Savion Red, because Keelan Robinson has also been uh, limited with uh, with muscle strain. So I thought it was interesting in the little highlight reel that Texas football put out. There was Savion Red with this massive stiff arm of Justice Finkley. And and today, in talking to Steve Sarkeesian, he mentioned that the physicality of Savion Red, and I think fans just need to go to Texas football Twitter or Instagram, um, watch carefully because those clips are fast. Um, but when you see number seventeen in white shoving Justice Finkley out of his way, that's what Steve Sarkeesian is talking about, and. I, I'll continue to say it, Taylor. I don't know when Savion Red is going to make an impact. I don't know if it's going to be in 2023 or 2024, but I get the feeling this kid is going to make an impact. He He's a football player. He, he loves it. He's intense. He's physical. He's got great feet, and he wants to get on the field. He moved from receiver to running back to get on the field. And this kid's got uh, he's got some it factor quality to him. I I don't, you know, I haven't talked to Tashar Choice about all the technique and the details uh, of you know just how far Savion Red has to go, but I do know that this kid is not gonna shy away from contact on blitz pickup, which is something that Bijan Robinson had to learn. He he wasn't crazy about you know taking on a you know, a charging middle linebacker. Um, Savion Red, I get the feeling, welcomes that.
1: Yeah, well, and he he's probably more built for it, too, if you look at him. I mean, I know I've told this story before, but, you know, last fall camp, Chip was like, why is 17, like, <laughs> with the offense? That looks like a linebacker, and he was playing receiver at that point. But he's built more, like, he's more, like, stout of a, you know, build. I kind of feel like, and I mean, I feel like, In a sense, I'd be very curious if he turns into kind of a more um, utilized Keelan Robinson in the future. I'm not saying this season, but, you know, a guy that can um, isn't afraid of contact, a guy that's going to step in and, you know, and pass protection, and a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, too, in addition to carrying it. I mean, this could be a guy that's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife, I would say, for the Texas offense, um, just because he – his build, I think, and his skill set allows him to be. It's not putting him in a position to where he's not going to be able to do it, or he's going to have to really learn to be physical or learn to take on, you know, um, as you said, a charging middle linebacker. I feel like he's more, he's more established and ready to do that And now. As you said, will it happen this year. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see his development in the future. I totally agree with you because I think this guy could be a special weapon in a variety of ways for Texas. And, um, you know, maybe not in 2023, but 2024, maybe.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, receiver, we've, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington and, and then John cook and Deandre Moore and, and AD Mitchell, the Georgia transfer. And meanwhile, Casey Kane is, is quietly having a rock solid spring and was impressive in um, I've, I've heard he's been impressive in all the scrimmage work. Um, I think the fire has been lit. He knows that the competition is, has increased that he's fighting to keep his um, playing time. And, you know, Isaiah Nayer is not all the way back yet. He will be um, you know, when, Uh, we get to fall camp, but kudos to Casey Kane. Sounds like he has totally engaged in the, uh, in the battle and is having a heck of a spring.
1: Yeah. And that's huge too, because I mean, obviously receiver was a question or a bit of a, an issue for Texas last season. And that's a guy, I think a good example of a guy who, you know, they're adding talent. They're going even to the transfer portal to add guys to the, to the receiver room and he seems to be answering the call, like understands, you know, that he doesn't want to be one of these guys that could get over overlooked or, you know, passed over for these other talent. And you want receiver, I feel like you really want receivers to be competitive with each other, right? Because, I mean, there's only one ball, obviously, and you just want a lot of competition, I think, in that room. I'm not sure there was much last season, Chip, because with Steve Sarkisian saying that, you know, telling us that. Xavier worthy played the second half of the season with a broken bone in his hand. And yet he still felt like he was the best option there. That shows there wasn't enough competition, not not enough depth in that room, adding these types of guys, especially a guy like Ad Mitchell from Georgia, who is, you know, made plays at the highest level at the biggest stage um, in college football. I, I think you want, you're hoping then for a guy like Casey Kane to really take that next step in also like a guy like Jaden Alexis. I mean, you know, we haven't really talked much about him. We saw, I saw him, you know, the first day of spring practice when we were allowed out there and he made some good plays. But when you're continuing to add this type of like veteran talent to, to a room, you want the guys that are already in the room to, to answer the call. Sounds like Casey Kane is, but that makes me wonder too, then Chip, where's Brendan Thompson in this mix? I mean, him, I know we've talked about going to be out because he's working, you know, focusing on track. But this is a time where that kid could get overlooked, I think, quickly.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and Steve Sarkeesian said that it's uh, it's tricky when you have dual sport uh, athletes. But Brennan Thompson loves track. He feels like he's going to be able to um, always use his speed as a as a carrot for the coaches you can't uh, you can't uh find that kind of speed um everywhere and and so you're right brennan thompson i mean he's gonna be added to the mix along with isaiah nayer uh in fall camp and you just wonder how how they're gonna keep everyone happy but that's again you you go hire chris jackson from the NFL as your receivers coach, uh, he's he's got to be the one to convince these players that, hey, you're you're getting developed here. Your time is coming. Uh, but I'm really intrigued to see if Steve Sarkeesian is going to employ uh, more of a rotation at receiver because we didn't see that a ton last year, like you just said. I mean, Xavier Worthy was out there uh, with a broken bone in his hand, and maybe it's because you know the the Jaden Alexiss of the world weren't far enough along um and and Steve Sarkeesian definitely has guys types speed um you know that he wants in the slot and that he wants out it at at uh, at Z receiver and and so even though Sarkisian will absolutely lose his mind if you try and pigeonhole a receiver as an X of mm-hmm. a, a slot or a Z because his receivers can do it all or they won't be on the field. So that's, that's where the, um, you know, this spring really gets interesting how quickly, because what we're hearing is John T. cook and Deandre Moore are picking things up really quickly. Like Xavier worthy, Xavier worthy came in in the summer. He wasn't even an early enrollee and boom, he was a day one starter had, set all the freshman records. He totally got it. He got the concepts. He got everything he needed uh, to convince the coaches that he could handle it. Well, we're hearing the same thing about Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore. And those two are some smooth receivers. I mean, it's, they, I gotta say this coaching staff is from, you know, from, from the outside looking in has done an unbelievable job in recruiting since that five and seven season. I mean, it's been, it's been sustained momentum and and they gotta now they gotta win to keep that momentum going.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about two true freshmen that are, were top um, 100 prospects coming out of high school. Um, you're right. I mean, the staff has done a really, really good job. I think far better than most people. If, if you take the name off of the team, right, and you were just to say, oh, this team went five and seven, Um, with a brand new coach people questioning if the coach is the right guy for the job how do you think recruiting went the following two years people would be like oh man he's got an uphill battle but he has and they've answered and this is huge I mean you've got to sustain it too you can't just have one good recruiting class you can't just have two even good recruiting classes you need to stack those ones and Steve Sarkeesian understands that a lot of the staff understands I mean these are guys that have coached at you know, top SEC programs coach coach all over the country. Some guys have coached in the NFL. They understand that you have to continue to build and not just develop the guys that you have on the roster, but be looking at what type of guys you want to bring in to develop for the future too. And they've done an exceptional job. Um, I think Kyle Flood probably has done the best, arguably, I would say. I mean, my goodness, he he said he never relied on two true freshmen in his career and he had to do it. And they played really well, you know, in in, uh, the 20... 22 season, that's a prime example of the type of development that these guys, these coaches have brought to Texas, and they're able, you know, the but the more these type of guys get on the field, the more it's going to help the future of recruiting too, because they have an example. They're not selling an idea; they're actually showing a physical, living example of the development that they um, they offer to to talented prospects, and it's a hard. I don't care what how much money you put in front of these kids and NIL money. That's a hard uh, thing to overcome, especially when you are a place like Texas that also has the NIL um, support of a pretty wealthy alumni base to help out too. I mean, it's you know the future's bright. I would say under this staff right now, um, and the expectations are going to come with that bright future. And the I think it's going to start this year because I agree with you, Chip. I think if it's a Big Twelve title if they don't make the Big 12 title game i feel like that's got to, that's going to be a disappointment a, as long as there's not like some devastating type of injuries across the board like i think that you have to give some sort of uh leeway when substantial injuries happen especially at key positions so barring something like that happening if texas isn't in the Big 12 title game um you know i think it's going to be a letdown for the staff and and uh the team but I still think the future's really bright. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this is a it's a different program that we're covering. I'll say that I've never seen this type of um, team in my time covering Texas, and I've only covered the down years. I know, but this is different, and that's a good positive um, development, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it. Even the 0-9 team that went to the national championship, their leading rusher that year was Trey Newton who ran for about 550 yards uh ended up leaving football a year later because of concussions uh the offensive line no uh, outside of well Tony Hills was already gone no draft yeah, he was picks.
1: Gone. yeah
0: so you know I don't I'm not trying to get everybody all lathered up here but there's there's a lot of promise let's put it that way
1: yeah changes um, in the is in the air here in Austin tonight yeah say.
0: I mean, elite level talent, top running back in the nation, Cedric Baxter Jr. Um, after having the top running back in the nation and Bijan John Robinson, Jonte Cook, top receiver in the nation, in the 2023 class, Malik Muhammad, top corner in the nation in the 2023 class. I mean, you start <clears throat> Arch Manning, top quarterback in the nation, top player in the nation. You start. You know, pulling in recruiting classes like that, those guys develop a bond with each other, and and they want to see it through together. Um, yeah. So so far so good because that's the kind of culture that we're hearing for mm-hmm. for Steve Sarkeesian. All right, wow, that's a lot of Kool Aid.
1: It's a lot of Kool Aid. It's a lot of Kool Aid. I, I normally uneasy. we're called haters, right? Normally it's oh like, oh, goodness. you guys are haters. You hate Texas. Hey. And, it's like- <laughs> and we're
0: not trying to set up anybody for a for a you know for the okie doke here. This this I mean I've been at this for a while. Taylor's got a healthy skepticism and <laughs> cynicism already in uh, her
1: the jaded journalist, <laughs> right? You know,
0: we always. Joke about being the the jaded, you know, <laughs> trying to look out for the Texas fan base so that they don't get that uh, whiplash, yeah, um, of having these great expectations and then having it all, you know, have a piano drop on their heads. But uh, yeah. Taylor, before we get to love it or leave it, real quick on Texas baseball, they had the 15 game winning streak um, with some well scheduled. Lesser opponents after that that start against uh, SEC competition when Texas went 0 and 3 against Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Missouri, and then they they you know were 4 and 7 and then boom they played a bunch of Mercers and Manhattan's and North Dakota States <laughs> and and piled up the wins but it it worked they built their confidence as a team they swept Texas Tech. And then they went on the road to Oklahoma State, and they won game one. Lucas Gordon's been fantastic. Um, They lose game two. uh, uh, I don't know if you pronounce it, Jaron or Jaron. But Jaron Watts-Brown for Oklahoma State, 12 strikeouts. The guy was locked in, eight innings, three hits. Uh, They ran into a red-hot pitcher. Then in game three, this is the the one that you got to kind of focus in on they had the lead, um, going into the bottom of the ninth and, uh, they were up three, two, they bring in Zane Morehouse, who was a starter moved to the closer role in mid-March and he suffers his first blown save of the season. So you got to watch that. You got to see how Zane Morehouse responds to that because he got a line out for out number one. Uh, and then he walked a couple batters, um, He gave up a single, then he walked a couple batters, then he threw a wild pitch that allowed a runner to score, uh, and then he gave up an RBI walk-off single that uh, ended the game. So um, not bad. I mean, it was bad that they blew the save, but they were in position to take two out of three on the road at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State picked uh, got first place votes, picked right right behind TCU to win the Big 12 this year. So uh, Texas still showing um, some positive results, but you got to keep getting better. And Zane Morehouse had been a plus for them. And then now he's it, – look, it happens to everybody. It happens to every closer. But uh, you just want to watch and see how he responds to that because um, they did take him out of the starting rotation to move him into that closer role when Chris Stewart wasn't – able to, uh, you know, kind of settle in and and really command that closer role. So um, just something to keep an eye on. All right, Taylor, are you ready for some love it or leave it?
1: I am. Before we get, excuse me, to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more football talk coming up. We'll be right back. All right, Chip, my first love it or leave it for you. Ready? I'm ready. I already got it on screen, so you better be ready. (laughs) (laughs) Love it or leave it. You are ready to add cornerback Malik Muhammad to your list of true freshmen who will make an immediate impact in 2023.
0: I'll tell you what, Taylor. I mean, there's a lot of competition at that field corner position um, where, you know, you've got Gavin Holmes, the Wake Forest transfer you got you got Terrence Brooks you've got Malik Muhammad but I'll tell you what in Xavion Bryce remember Austin Jordan has moved to Nickel um he's you know he's backing up Jada Barron while Jalen Gilbo continues to rehab from uh offseason knee surgery but Malik Muhammad I keep hearing this guy is around the ball and so I Mm. I'm real close. I'm real close. (laughs) But I'm going to leave this for right now because I want to see what he does in the spring game. I want to continue to hear, um, you know, what's going on in the summer and how hard he's working. But I'm real close to loving this. But I'm going to leave it for right now. But, Taylor, I'm hearing a lot of good things about number five, Malik Muhammad. How about you? Okay.
1: I think I'm going to leave it too, um, just because I feel like of the newcomers, Gavin Holmes probably has a little bit of an edge. I would say over Malik Muhammad being a guy that's been at the college level before Terrence Brooks, you know, has been a guy that's made strides, you know, coming along. So I'm not going to say I'm not leaving it because I don't think Malik Muhammad could be the immediate impact true freshman in 2023. I, I, I agree with you. I just kind of want to see it a little bit more. And I also think that there's a lot of guys uh, options available, right? That he is competing with that already have playing experience at the college level. So that would make me a little bit hesitant to say it's going to be an immediate impact. But who knows? I could be wrong. Um, we just haven't seen a lot. It's hard for me to make those claims if I haven't seen them in live action too. So I'm well, going to leave it for the, now.
0: If the question was he will make an impact. Yeah. I would love it. This Mm -hmm. kid is going to be a star. The question is, is he going to be a star in 2023? Right. Um, He may well be, but right now I'm, I I just want to see a little more. And, uh, and so, all right, love it or leave it. Number two.
1: Second one, love it or leave it. No matter what Jaden blue and Cedric Baxter get accomplished this spring, the running back position battle won't start until Jonathan Brooks is fully cleared for fall camp.
0: I mean, I think this is, I think this, I'm going to love this. Um, It's not, not Jaden blue and Cedric Baxter don't want to hear this, but I think Jonathan Brooks has been in the program. He learned from Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. <laughs> and I think, he's going to have something to say when he's fully cleared and in fall camp. And so I'm going to, I'm going to love this. And that's not to say that Jaden blue and CJ Baxter haven't done some good things because you continue to hear good things about Jaden blue. He's explosive, especially on the perimeter. He's really good catching the football and making things happen. CJ Baxter, more of that, that pounder up the middle, um, and if you watch the highlights on that little clip that Texas football put out on social media, you saw B.J. Allen force a fumble by C.J. Baxter. Um, but then they came back with a highlight of C.J. Baxter with a really good cutback run in between the tackles. So, you know, they there was a good play. They wanted to give some sugar to B.J. Allen but they also didn't want you to think, "Oh man, that was CJ. Baxter fumbling the ball. <laughs> yeah you know? so they gave him a good play too, because he has he has had a really good spring. But anyway, yeah. I'm rambling. but i <laughs> I will I will love this, Taylor. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna love it too. And I, I agree. it's not necessarily a knock at all on Jaden Blue or Cedric Baxter. I think that Jonathan Brooks has earned himself an opportunity to be the lead guy. And I, I think that, the staff would probably agree with that Um, just because, I mean, he was, you know, I mean, I know he played a lot of garbage time in some of the games in um, 2022, but still, I mean, this is a kid that averaged 6.6 yards per carry, had five rushing touchdowns, um, you know, had his first 100 yard game against Kansas where he just, I think he averaged almost 10 yards per carry in that game. I mean, he he's done enough to where I feel like, he should be given the opportunity to be the number one guy. And just because he's been dealing with, you know, rehabbing from a hernia surgery, shouldn't set him back in that, unless the hernia itself did set him back from a a play perspective, you know, playmaking perspective. Um, I just think that, I mean, the fact alone that he played through the whole season with that hernia and refused to get surgery until right after the bowl game, because he did not want to miss any, playing time, any game action that he might possibly get as a third string or fourth string, however you want to frame him for last season running back. I mean, he to me, he's earned the opportunity to come back in and, and win that first string job ahead of Jaden Blue and Cedric Baxter. And and I think he, he has the talent to do so. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to love it. Again, not a knock on Jaden Blue, Cedric Baxter. They're both really talented. I had a source talk about Cedric Baxter and how shifty of a runner he is. Um, you know, was in this, the scrimmage on Saturday, he did say he runs a little, uh, too upright and he's got to get probably hit in the mouth once before he's going to change that <laughs> by somebody. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those are two really talented guys. I just think Jonathan Brooks has earned the right to, to be in the mix too, and not be overlooked because he waited a whole season to get surgery in the off season. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's a good point. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three.
1: Final one for you, love it or leave it. You're excited Texas will have more of a game format for the Orange-White game because the team has more depth this year.
0: You know what? I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, I just want to see players make plays, whether it's in situational scrimmage stuff like they did last year. I mean, I guess it. it's it's easier to follow for fans and, and you get a winner and a loser, but sometimes they move players to both teams. It gets kind of weird. I just want to see players make plays if that makes sense. So I'm going to, I'm not excited. Um, so I'll leave this. I just want to see players make plays. I don't really care what format it's in. Let me see some plays. Let me see some (laughs) players make some plays. How about you, Taylor?
1: Man, I thought, I thought you were going to love it. And um, that's why, because I was going to leave it too, <laughs> because I mean, I, I think I've made it pretty clear. I, spring games are the biggest, it's a glorified practice that we're watching. And honestly, like last year I didn't even watch the spring game. Cause I had my sister-in-law's wedding that I was in, in Mexico. And I was like, Thank you, Emily, for scheduling your wedding on the day of the spring game because I didn't That's have terrible. to cover it. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's it's awful. It's awful. No, but um, yeah, spring games are just kind of boring. I don't really care what format they're in. I feel like in years past, a lot of times I'm like, how did they get points? I don't, I don't understand the scoring of this because it was like weird scoring at some point. Like when Mack Brown was the coach, I could never figure out how the hell the defense got points on things. It's like, okay, just, I don't know what's going on. So uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it. Actually, I'll just say I love it because I'll be different than Chip. I don't, but I I agree. I don't really care what the format is, to be honest.
0: Hey, we're just excited to see some football.
1: Exactly, playmaking. That's right,
0: that's right. April 15th, um, and...
1: uh, We'll be there begrudgingly. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I'm teasing, totally kidding.
0: Yeah, I... (laughs) I'll take football in any format you tell me I can watch them practice in the parking lot. I'll go, (laughs) you know, I, I just, football season never ends here at a horns 24 seven, especially heading into a season where there's some anticipation that Texas might be playing for something more than a, more than a winning record for crying out loud, (laughs) hopefully playing for some hardware, like, like our man, Rodney Terry, um, (laughs) who's been on the recruiting trail, Taylor, um, I know he was up after his press conference. Uh, his introductory press conference, he went straight to Dallas and talked to um, Texas signee Ron Holland and the number one player in the 2024 class Trey Johnson shooting guard from Lake Highlands. So Rodney Terry getting his, uh, getting his recruiting on. We'll see how all that uh, all that fleshes out. We should have some some Intel for you. Um, maybe even in the insider this week, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but certainly on the flagship podcast, um, you know, next week. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the flagship podcast and make sure you're, uh, hanging out over at horns 24 seven. Cause the insider does come out on Thursday and, uh, get you all the scoop. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.